Okay, good morning, church. My name is Jamie. And uh, let's pray. <laughs> pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your peace. And we ask uh, to hear your truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, first, I want to give you guys a heads up um, that Lent starts in about three weeks. Uh, so, I <laughs> know, hooray, Lent. Um, if you want to join me in a fast, <laughs> everyone looked away. Um, that would be great. Um, if you do want to join me with that, like you can talk to me after the service, and you know maybe we can work something out, some kind of like friends that fast, you know, something to kind of help each other um, get through it. <laughs> fast friends. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Please join Fast Friends. We'll announce that next week. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I do encourage you to try some kind of fast uh, or pick up some kind of um, spiritual discipline during Lent because it is good for us to do this. And it's good for us to practice these things um, together. Okay, so uh, today's gospel reading comes from Matthew 5, okay? And it is a mere sliver of the Sermon on the Mount, starting at verse 13. If you are the salt of, sorry, <laughs> take two. Good morning, my name is Jamie. <laughs> no. Okay, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. The word of the Lord. Now, if you've been a Christian for more than 10 minutes, you have probably already heard 25 sermons about being salt and light. And there's nothing wrong with studying the same thing over and over, right? Especially when it comes to studying the scriptures. But sometimes when we do hear something that we feel familiar with, we start to tune it out, right? Or if we're reading it, we just skim the page. And this has come up recently in my reading. Um, I'm reading a book about sin, not like how to do it, but... <laughs> 
And the author, uh, this rabbi, he calls this feeling like of our overfamiliarity with the text, he called it the lullaby effect. And I don't know if he made that up, uh, but it was the first time I'd heard it. And um, right, so it's like we've read the text a hundred times, so we, we just feel like we don't even have to think about it anymore. And this also came up in another book that uh, I'm reading, you know, uh, not me bragging about reading books. <laughs> Uh, this sermon podcast is brought to you by books. But this author uh, mentioned a similar thing, right? He was talking about um, he was talking about Job's friends. It was a book about the book of Job. And, um, and he was saying that Job's friends are so confident in their own idea of what their faith is and on who God is that they're in what he called a dogmatic slumber. Ooh. <laughs> dogmatic slumber. Um, you know, it's kind of like a, I already know what I know, and I don't need to know anymore. And I, I imagine that this is pretty common, right? That we have a habit of this from time to time. <laughs> I feel like maybe my 20s and half of my 30s was spent in a dogmatic slumber. I don't know. Anyone else want to confess? Um, so in this lullaby effect, we feel like we don't have to think, you know, about what we're reading or hearing. And in the dogmatic slumber, um, it's like we give ourselves permission to have a closed mind and to have no new expectations, you know. And um, the only way to kind of snap out of this, really, is to be self-aware of these attitudes and uh, to make sure as we read or hear familiar things, you know, we try to get our hearts and minds to uh, to focus, you know, um, no matter how familiar or rote all of it feels, you know, and we need to challenge ourselves, like, can we notice new things in the text, or can we ask new questions about it, um, and sometimes, like, for me, it helps to read the passage in, like, a different translation, you know, and um, so we'll put a pin in that, okay, um, I also find it, like if I'm reading a gospel, um, it helps me to notice who Jesus is talking to. Okay, is he talking to his disciples, his followers? Or um, is it a crowd? Is it both? Is it the religious or political leaders? Is it his father? You know? And, you know, the closer it gets to his death, you'll notice that he speaks less to crowds and leaders and more to his friends and his father. Uh, when Advent started, you know, I mentioned that this year the gospel readings follow Matthew's gospel. And a theme that kind of runs through that gospel is a connecting of the old with the new. I didn't make that up. I stole that from N.T. Wright. So. Um, so the author tells the story of Jesus the Messiah in ways that honor the Jewish scriptures and the Jewish heritage. And it connects it with the, the new church that was forming that was, um, you know, open to everybody, Jews and Gentiles, you know, all nations. And the Sermon on the Mount is one of those new and old moments, right? The author shows us Jesus as a new Moses, okay? At the beginning of chapter 5, he tells us that Jesus went up on a mountainside he starts teaching this sermon, and most of what he says is about the law, right? So it kind of reminds you of, 
Moses going up on a mountain and receiving the law. Um, and even the part we read today, right, verses 17 through 20, it's like his intro to the law parts of the sermon, right? He's about to make them look at the law in a new way. And, you know, God gave them this law hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, so you, do you suppose they feel, like, overly familiar with it? And do you think they might be in a dogmatic slumber? I don't know. They're so familiar with the law and scriptures that they, like, autopilot their brains like we do. So before Jesus, you know, this new Moses shakes up their idea of what the law says, he tells them, like, I'm not here to delete the law God gave you through Moses. I'm here to fulfill it, right? Because Moses couldn't fulfill it. Um, there wasn't a king that could fulfill it. Israel couldn't fulfill it, right? Um, there was only one person faithful enough to fulfill it, and it was Jesus, the Messiah. So he tells them, I'm here to fulfill the law. And you know that had to catch them off guard, <laughs> right? Um, it had to snap them out of a lullaby effect, right? But wait, who? Who are we talking to? Um, in five one, it says Jesus saw the crowds, and he goes up on a mountainside, and he sits down, right? He takes the posture of a teacher at that time, and his disciples come to him, and he began to teach them. And he begins his teaching on the kingdom of God and how to live the abundant, blessed kingdom life. And it sounds like he's teaching it to his disciples, and he is. But by the end of his sermon in chapter 7, verse 28, it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So, you know, it kind of sounded to me at the beginning like he went up on the mountain to avoid the crowds, you know. But when Jesus teaches the good news gospel of the kingdom of God, he teaches it to his students who later become his friends and to his followers and to the crowds of strangers, like whoever comes to hear it, right? The gospel message is not exclusive to only those who already believe. And the crowds, you know, whether they end up as believers or not, you know, it says they were amazed, right? And they, they were amazed at his authority. And, and I wonder, are we? Right? Usually I hit you with these questions at the end of the sermon, right? <laughs> but are we? Are we amazed at Jesus' teaching? Like, do we recognize his authority? And I mean this, like, in a meaningful way, okay? Like, in a way that if upon reading the words of Jesus could someone write of us, oh, and they were amazed. And do our lives reflect amazement at his teaching and authority? And does our community reflect amazement at his teaching and authority? Or, you know, have we been lulled into slumber by the familiarity of the words?
you know, sometimes the best way to wake me out of a comfortable, lulled state in the word is to offend me. And I hate that. (laughs) But that's often how Jesus teaches, isn't it? You know, he would say something that would shift the people's thinking and everyone would get real mad about it. When I saw today's reading was the salt and light part of the Sermon on the Mount, you know, first I thought, like, didn't I just preach this like six months ago? (laughs) Like, I get it. Jesus calls his disciples, us, to be salt and light, to do our part for the kingdom of God next. And I was lulled. So I, um, what I do, I looked up the text in a different translation. Remember, I said put a pin in that. Um... So I, I went to an unfamiliar translation because that can, that can help me often notice new things or new words, uh, maybe make me ask a new question or a better question. And a lot of times I will use uh, Eugene Peterson's message translation for this because it is so different from the NIV or the ESV. Um, so it always sort of like reading it new again. So um, here is how he translates these salt and light verses. 13. Let me tell you why you are here. Great start. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you on there, on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Isn't that wild? (laughs) You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. And I love that, okay? Like, talk about making those metaphors just pop off the page. But there was a part in there that stung a little bit, okay? Like in the other translations that I'm used to, Jesus says if salt loses its saltiness, it's no good anymore, throw it away, right? Or walk on it. But... Eugene Peterson, he goes right to the point, and he says, if you lose your saltiness, you've lost your usefulness, and you will end up in the garbage. I'm not going to lie. I really was like, wait, can you say that? Because that's in your face. That was in my face. It was in my face. But, um, you know, I went back. He's saying the same thing, you know. If Jesus says you're salt, and then he says if salt is useless, You can do that math, 
Jesus calls us to be salt and light. And these are useful things. These are things that are to be used. And we are to be used by God for his kingdom. I'm not making this up. This is part of Jesus' gospel. Okay, and I think we forget that. I think too often we think the gospel is our free ticket to heaven when we die. Start and stop. And um, I don't see that here. Okay, here we see Jesus teaching us how to live our lives like him. Okay, how to be useful for God's kingdom glory. And we're not salt and light for ourselves, right? This is not for our benefit or just for the, the people that we know and love, okay? It's for the world. And this isn't something new either. This isn't a new thing that Jesus is saying. Uh, this has been here. It's been true since day six when God created humans in his image and told us to fill and run the earth. And in this sermon, Jesus is telling us, like, that has not changed. Okay, we might have gotten confused and rebellious about what it means to be useful and to carry God's image. But Jesus reminds us of what carrying God's image is like. And he tells us right here in, in the sermon, he starts with the Beatitudes. You know, uh, Marie read that for us last week. He describes a life so humble, so compassionate, that it seems impossible anyone could live such a life. But he doesn't just tell us to live this life. He actually shows us how uh, to live this way because his own life shows us how to live as humans. Okay, He shows us how to live as image bearers, as the salt and light that he calls us to be. Okay, this is what we were made for, to reflect God's love and compassion, to be a different kind of people, a different kind of friend, a different kind of neighbor, right? A kind that agape loves our enemies, and the kind that shows mercy because we have received mercy. And the kind that doesn't just wish for peace, but makes peace. A kind that craves justice, not just for ourselves or for those we love, but for all who are oppressed. Because we have been liberated from our sin. We've been given this blessed, abundant life that Jesus gives us, that he has... Um, fulfilled. And it's not just for us to be useful as individuals, okay? Because don't forget, there's this third metaphor that Jesus uses, a city on a hill, right? And there's not a city of one, right? I'm not a city, and you are not a city, right? But where two or more are gathered, right? We, together, are called to be a place. We're called to be a place that's useful for God's kingdom, right? To live this humble, compassionate life for God's glory. 
in such a way that the world can't help but notice, okay, can't help but see a people so humble and compassionate, a city so abundantly blessed and inviting, right? It's a city on a hill, right? It's, it's not supposed to be hidden, okay? It's not hard to see, hard to find, hard to get to. And it's a place where those in the world can come in and find rest. And it's a place where those who are wandering can come and find their home like we did because someone else was salt and light for us. And now it's our turn to be used to invite the world into the freedom and life that we have so they wake up from their slumber to taste and see that the truth of the gospel of God's kingdom will free them from sin and bless them with abundant life. Amen? May our lives reflect God's love and compassion and generosity, and may we be useful to his kingdom above all else. Amen.